I'm back. Hey, I, I just need to like, I'm having so much fun with those kids. And uh, we've, I'm amazed at the number of folks have volunteered. I told you, 25 brand new volunteers haven't served in any time previously or, or have been a several years since they served. And we're having so much fun. We do have a couple spots left if you want to come have fun with us. But we're doing a great time. They're having fun. This whole month is called uh, um, the, uh, the Great Escape. And so right now they're in their small groups and they're doing escape room activities that have to do with the Bible lesson to see if they can get out of their small groups. So if they're stuck, if they can't figure it out, the puzzles, they're staying here at church, okay? Just <laughs> staying, you know. And some of you guys are going, amen, amen. Free lunch. So we're starting a new series today called Take a Step. And, and in this series, we're, gonna, we're continuing where we left off with uh, the selfie series. We're continuing in the Bible story with, with Exodus. And we're going to be progressing through the, the entire biblical story this, this year in these short little sermon series. And we're picking up where we left off, and, and we're going to be focusing on how God forms a people. This, this particular series, these four weeks. How God is, is forming his special called out people. Forming them individually, forming them communally, how, how we're forming globally, and this informs us individually and communally and globally as well, still in 2000, uh, 2019. So, so the, the main thrust of what we're trying to do here in this series is that we're, we're taking a step toward the center of God's life. Every week we're, we're thinking about how do we take a step toward the center of God's life. And with that, we're going to continue looking back to the past in order to find our present and our future. Again, individually, communally, and globally. You might re remember from our previous series that uh, we were looking at this pattern of how God calls a person, how, how then we respond, how God forms and shapes a person, and then usually when eventually we mess it up somehow, God redeems it and makes it good. You see that pattern over and over from page one all the way to the last page. And this part of the story is no different. We're picking up where, where Tracy left off last week. Moses is singing a song of celebration. The Israelites are out of Egypt. They've escaped. And now we are encountering here in, in the the beginning parts of Exodus, that they're, they're by the Red Sea, they travel around and they're leaving parts of the Red Sea, and you can see some of that on the map. This is the traditional idea of the uh, path that they think they took. There's all kinds of different theories, but this is the traditional theory. And they left and went over the Red Sea, and they're, now we're heading down to Mara and to Rephidim, and eventually down to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. And that's where the, the bulk of our story is taking place. Today. And during these travels in the deserts, they're complaining because there's lack of food and water. They're, they're, then God provides for food and water through Moses' leadership. They, they uh, complain about Moses' leadership. And, and Moses, is, Moses is a tired leader. And, and through, uh, through his, his father-in-law, Jethro, we introduced this concept of team leadership to help support Moses. 
and there's battles with great armies that they encounter, and they are not an army. They're just a people moving through the desert, and they find some armies that they go against, and, and we find a place where, through Moses' leadership, God provides for them. And then we come to Mount Sinai, there in that southern peninsula, and that's where our main scripture happens today, Exodus 19, 1 through 8. It says, on exactly the third month anniversary of the Israelites leaving the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai Desert. They traveled from Rephidim, came to the Sinai Desert, and set up camp there. Israel camped there in front of the mountain where Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you should say to Jacob's household. That's another word for the Israelites, Jacob's household. And, and declare to the Israelites, you saw what I did to the Egyptians and how I lifted you up on eagle's wings and brought you to me. So now, so now if you faithfully obey me and stay true to my covenant, you will be my most precious possession out of all the peoples. Since the whole earth belongs to me, you will be a kingdom of priests for me and a holy nation. These are the words you should say to the Israelites. So Moses comes down from the mountain. He called together the people's elders and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him. And the people all responded with one voice, everything that the Lord has said, we will do. Let's do that together. Ready? Everything that the Lord has said, we will do. And this is, I think, is one of the most comical parts of this verse. It goes, Moses reported to the Lord what the people had said. Like our omniscient, omnipresent God didn't just see this people group say that. Um, that Moses had to go back and provide a committee report. So, we're here and God tells Moses, this is the deal. This is what we're going to do. If you will faithfully obey and stay true to my covenant... I'll make you my, my most possess, uh, precious possession out of all the peoples of the earth. I'll make you a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then they said, everything that the Lord has said, we will do. If we faithfully obey, if we faithfully stay to this covenant, it's going to make us a kingdom of priests. And he made them a kingdom of priests. Remember the Abraham promise that we talked about several weeks ago where promise of generations and blessing the world. This is the fulfillment. We're seeing this happen right here, that Israel, these people, are going to be a kingdom of priests serving the people of the world. And we're called to be a kingdom of priests serving the world. Did you guys know you guys are priests? Yeah, we're all priests. We're going to be a holy nation. Sometimes that word holy gets confusing and gets a bad rap. Of, of being, you know, 100% pure, we do no wrong, we do nothing that's outside the boundaries. And that's not really what this is about. It's this whole call, respond, form, redeem, that we're going to move outside those boundaries, but God, through his promise, is going to continue to make us and shape us to be holy. It's this idea of taking a step toward the center of God's life. We're constantly, if you haven't noticed these shoes right here, they're all taking a step toward the center of God's life. That's about holiness, that we're pursuing those steps toward the center. And this is where then, shortly after this, 
Moses goes up on the mountain and God gives the Ten Commandments. You know, this is what we see on, uh, on the, in the springtime, around Easter time, we see the Ten Commandments on TV. This is what's happening there with Moses. And during this whole time between now through down the book of Leviticus, God is shaping and, and, and providing uh, instruction for the Israelites. He, he's giving them a promise. If you obey, faith will obey and stay true to my covenant, you'll be my most precious possession. You'll be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation if you do that. He's giving them a promise of what they are to be. He's giving them an identity. You're not just a people wandering in the desert. You have a purpose. You're, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be a holy nation that's different and set apart from the rest of the world to serve the world. He's, he's giving them a mission, a purpose. And through all this instructions, we, we kind of get hung up sometimes on the Ten Commandments and all these rules and laws that follow, and we think they're, they're things to keep us in a box, but they're really things, I like to think of them as, as guidelines or, or guardrails, okay? Some of them are easy. Do not murder, right? That's pretty easy. Do not steal. Those are, you know, the... But do not have any other gods before me. Sometimes that's easy too, but... Lots of other things become gods in 2019 that get in the way of between us and God. So these are, these are rules and instructions and guardrails. This is the covenant that God has given us. The Ten Commandments and the other rules that we see coming after that. They, they help us to stay close to God in God's presence. Further on in this Exodus, he gives us rules for how to worship and how to care for our slaves and how instructions about, uh, admonitions about violence and how we should care for animals and property, take the Sabbath day, and how we should celebrate festivals. And throughout this time, the Israelites, sometimes they respond remarkably well. You know, like we just said, everything that the Lord has said, we will do. That's, that's the good answer. That's the right answer. They uphold Moses during, especially his battle with Am Amalekites, and uh, as Moses' hands were told, as his hands are up, they're winning this battle, despite the, the difficult odds. But when Moses' hands get tired, they start losing the battle. So they respond by sending Caleb and Aaron to hold Moses' arms up. Team leadership. And they, they overtake this Amalekite army, despite the odds. They come around Moses when the burden of leadership is too much for, for Moses to bear on his own, and they come and support him in different leadership roles. Sometimes they respond tremendously well, and sometimes they're just utter failures. Quickly, after leaving Egypt, they start complaining about the lack of food and water, and God provides. And even though God provides, they kind of complain about uh, the logistics that God chooses to use to give it to them. It doesn't meet what they would like. Does that sound familiar? Sometimes God provides for us and it's not exactly how we want it to be and we don't like it so much. There's a famous story you may know of. They get impatient when Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. And while he's up there, 40 days, 40 nights, up there hanging out with God, getting these commandments to come back and speak to them, 
They get impatient. And they tell his brother Aaron, okay, we need a God that we can see, that we can, we can touch and feel and worship. And so they have Aaron create what? The golden calf, so they can have this bull to worship. They couldn't wait 40 days for Moses to go up and do the work. They, they got impatient. Sometimes they respond well, sometimes not. But it's all part of this, how God calls us, how we respond, how God forms us, and when we really mess it up, how God uh, redeems the whole situation. So what does this have to do with us in 2019? I think it still speaks that we are called to faithfully obey and stay true to God's covenant. And if we do that, we will be God's most precious possession. We'll be a kingdom of priests, as we are. Priesthood of all believers, called to, to serve the world. And we are called to be a holy nation. We're called to be set apart, to be something different, where we're all taking steps toward our life centering on God's life. But God has given us a new covenant through Jesus. We're reminded of that in the, in the famous verse, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. That, that's the new promise that God gives us. And with that new promise of that new covenant, Jesus, in his teaching when he was with us, gave us this new commandment that covers all the other commandments, the 10 and the 600 others that come through Leviticus and Numbers and throughout the whole Old Testament. It's in Luke 10, 27, and it's on my arm if you need a refresher course. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your being, with all your strength and with all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. God gives us a new promise in Jesus and a new commandment kind of tries to give us the cliff notes. You heard about these 10 and these other 600. Well, here's really what it is. Here's what you need to know for the test. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's our calling. That's our calling as individuals. That's our calling as a community. That's our calling as a world. About four years ago, here at Grace, your leadership, you all, some of you all sitting in, in, in the congregation this morning, came up with what you felt God was calling you towards, calling us towards. It was our mission, the reason that this church exists, the mission of this church, is that we are disciples of Christ, we're, we're a set-apart group, not because we think we're better than other people, but we said we're followers of Jesus. We're disciples of Christ, creating a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace. That's our purpose. God has called us out and gave the Israelites a purpose, and we believe through your discernment and wisdom that God has given us this purpose of creating a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace. And the basis of that is our core values. We believe that all people can experience God's transforming grace because we have these three core values that we hold true. 
These define who we are and how we participate in community with one another. We believe that all people are created with inherent worth and value, that all people are called to discover and embrace their inherent worth and value. We believe that the church is to be a place to create a community where all people can discover their inherent worth and value. Where the world is telling us that some people are better than others and we should be divided against this or that, and some people have worth and some people don't, the church, this church, is to be a place that creates a place where people can discover that and people are encouraged to discover their inherent worth and value. And we do that. If you ever need to be reminded of these, you walk down that hall right there. They're all right there. They're all on, on the, the, the about us part of our website that define who we are. And we do this, our strategy of how we do this, that we are becoming a, a congregation of people. And these are the ways that we move forward in our mission, our vision that we, we connect to God and we connect to one another. We grow in our faith, taking steps to center our life on God's life. And we serve one another and we serve the world. That's our strategy. That's how we do it. We, we believe that we're creating communities where all people can experience God's transforming gra grace and we believe that everybody has inherent worth and value and how we do that is we connect them, we connect with them we help connect them to God, we work on growing our faith, and we serve one another and serve the world. It's pretty simple, just three words, connect, grow, and serve. And then how we see this end, whenever it ends, the vision that God has given this group of leaders several years ago was, we want to see God's preferred future lived out in the end, that that we are making God's grace a reality to all. If we could write the end of the book how we'd want it to write, we want everyone to experience God's grace and make it very real to them. I love this last statement on here, and I, this is nothing original. Um, I filled in some blanks, but I love the way that this explains how our mission and our vision and our values and our strategy work together. As Grace Community United Methodist Church is creating a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace, lives from its core values, and becomes people who connect, grow, and serve. Not us, not us. As we're doing that, the Holy Spirit will fulfill the vision of making God's grace a reality to all. So I take you back to Exodus 19. Moses giving the words that God said to say, that if you faithfully obey and stay true to my covenant, you become my most precious possession of all people. A kingdom of priests, a holy nation. A holy nation that's constantly connecting and growing and serving, taking steps toward the center of God's life. That's what we're called to do, friends. That's what we're called to do individually, in community, and as a world. 
Can you, can you quite imagine a place, a world like that? I mean, a world that is creating community where all people can experience God's transforming grace. Can you, can you imagine a world where the world says everyone has inherent worth and value and it's a safe place to discover your inherent worth and value? A community like Lithia with that kind of place or, or just starting with our church to making sure that we're, we're faithfully obeying and staying true to our mission, vision, and values. It starts with us, it starts with me, it starts with all of us. That God has given us a promise, God has given us an identity, and God has given us a purpose. And the question for us is, how will we respond? Will we let God form and redeem us along the way, and shape and mold us? And when we mess up and we're going our way, Will we trust him to, to make it straight? Or will we will continue to go along our path? That's the question for all of us, and individually and as a community. And to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our noggins, but God's will. And in all our ways, acknowledge him that he owns everything. God owns everything. And we're just stewards trusting that he will make our path straight. We need reminders along the way, I found out, in my own personal faith. We need reminders of this. Where are the guardrails? We need time of forgiveness when we move out of those guardrails, right? Am I the only one that sometimes jumps the rail? I hope not. And one of those ways that we can do that is every month we come to this table. We come to this communion table. And God gives us an invitation. We're able to say, confess, saying, Lord, this is where, this is where we jump the rails, individually and as a community. And we're sorry. We open ourselves up to be, to be formed and shaped and to be redeemed. So here's the invitation for us all. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's just pause for just a minute for silence and personal confession.
Friends, if your life has jumped the guardrails of God like mine has, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As we prepare to come to the table, we're reminded of the story where Jesus was with all his disciples, a community where everyone could experience God's transforming grace, where everyone had inherent worth and value, was called to discover their inherent worth and value so that the entire world, the entire creation would experience God's grace. Jesus took this bread at the meal and he blessed it and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. And each time you do so, remember me. Likewise, he took the cup and he said, this, this is my blood. This is an, a symbol of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink, and each time you do so, remember me. Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father. Amen. I'd like to invite those who are serving to come forward and prepare to serve. As they're coming, I'll remind us that this is an open table. This is not Grace's table. This is not a United Methodist table. This is the Lord's table. It's a place where you can experience God's transforming grace. It's a place where everyone has inherent worth and value. It's a place for all to experience God's transforming grace. Friends, let me remind you, you'll be uh, coming forward down these center aisles and you'll be given a piece of bread. You'll take the bread and you'll dip it into the cup and then consume 
the elements. If uh, gluten is an issue, uh, we invite you to come down to the center. We'll have a gluten-free station. Greg and I will be here at the gluten-free station if that is a struggle for you. The altar is always open. It's a great place to pray. Friends, the table is set. It's open to all. Come and partake. Burden light, he is able. 
table of the Lord. I'm invited to the table of the Lord. He says, come just as you are to his table. Well, friends, we're all invited to the table. We're all invited to this kingdom of priests and this holy nation to be God's precious possession and to be a blessing to the world. And the question for us is, will we respond in the way God has called us to respond? The greater question is, will we trust in the Lord with all our heart? Will we lean on our understanding? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make our path straight. It's about trust, friends. If we trust that God has called us, and we trust to follow what God has called us to, God will provide. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen.